Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Thank y'all for the special and just uh, thankful to be able to be here with you today. It's amazing how some things you hear growing up that you didn't realize that they had such biblical meaning to them, like never count your chickens before they hatch. Come to find out the Bible actually says that in a little different way. He says, it's the fool who says, tomorrow I'll go and do such and such a thing. I'm, that's why I can say I'm thankful to be with you today is because I think we all feel that each day we have right now is a treasure, is it not? Amen. And it is a treasure to be able to have been here this morning um, and to have shared already and then to get to share again and to be a part of worship with you I'm going to invite you, if you have your Bibles with you, a device, whatever uh, means there may be, um, you've got a handout. If you join me in John chapter 14, I believe God has all things together in His time. I really do, and today seems to be one of those days. Um, John chapter 14, as you get there, in a moment I'm going to read verses 1 through 6, um, kind of get you set for this uh, by... Once again, trying to just paint a little picture. At about chapter 13 in John, Jesus begins to talk with his disciples one evening. This conversation goes on for quite a few chapters. During all this time, he's telling them, I'm leaving. I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave. He's walked with them. They've seen him do miracles, and they've seen all these things come to, to pass they think he's going to be setting up his earth, uh, kingdom on earth at that moment and that, they're going to, that he's going to straighten out all the things that are wrong uh, at that time and that all the end of all the turmoil and sufferings of life and all the rulers and the torments of those rulers, it's all going to end. Now he's here and he's telling them for several chapters, he said, I'm fixing to leave. At initially they can't get the thought even into their head at all. Then it begins to kind of seep in a little, but never really gets in there until after things are taken to the cross and the tomb and His resurrection, His ascension, and then things start clicking. But it's really not until the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost that things really settle in. I, I guess I say all that to say, even for us today, if it were not for the Spirit of God, we wouldn't understand. I wouldn't understand. And, and, and I say understand, understand what I do understand, because I don't understand at all, but I'll go with what I got till I get to where I'm going. And Christ is definitely still the center of everything. And in this context, He's stops them for a moment to try to comfort them, which is just ironic, isn't it, that the one that's fixing to go suffer the most is the one that's comforting the most. I see this and have seen this even over the last couple weeks. I've seen it just yesterday at the hospital. Watching 
the O'Brien family, but then also watching especially mom. For some reason, my eye was just drawn to mom to where there are people in the hospital that are going through grief themselves, and they come by and sit there and talk with them as if they came to get can like consolation from them. And I go, I know where that comes from. There's only one way that that happens is the fact that obviously somehow they've reached across the table. They've reached across a room in Panera Bread or out there at the, the patio at Levine's. They've stepped over there and, and put a hand on the shoulder of somebody who's grieving. And it's Christ that did that. So it's almost as if Christ is working through them to, to help others while they're grieving themselves. And here he is doing just that. Verses 1 through 6, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And he says in verse 4, And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in this text, I just want to take verse 6. Look at the three emphatic things that are said there in that verse. I am the way, the truth, the life. And I want to take verses 1 through 3 and see if there's not a parallel in each of those verses to go along with each of these particular things. My mind was absolutely taken back as a young, younger pastor. About, I guess about 15 years ago. And I was sitting in a meeting at the Green River Association office in Rutherfordton, North Carolina. I've not been a lot of places in the world. The furthest I've been, I've been out of the country, uh, well, now several times, but just to the same place, to Guatemala. Outside of that, the furthest I've been west is to San Antonio, Texas. The furthest I've been north is to Washington, D.C., and south is to Mickey Mouse World. And so I've not been a lot of places, and I've spent a lot of my time in the Bible Belt. I come to faith in Christ, August 1999. Never would I have ever thought that in Podunk, Rutherfordton, North Carolina, or Ruffton, as they say it, I didn't live there long enough for them to get me trained to say that that way. Did I ever think I would sit at a table with concerned pastors because the person leading the association didn't believe that Jesus Christ was the only way to heaven? I'm like, I thought I was in a Twilight Zone show. I'm like, this, this is too backwards. It ain't even backwards. It's beyond backwards. Southern Baptist Life, Association Director. And I'm sitting there and with six other pastors that we called this meeting because of some things that we had heard at a 
meeting with the board of the board of directors for Rutherford County Hospital and the Rutherford County Chaplaincy Board, which our directors sit sit on that board. And I I, had, I was pretty new there. I'd been there less than two years, and so I was like, I let them kind of lead out because they knew more than I did. And so somebody asked the question, said, hey, Mr. Billy, he said, if somebody dies off in the jungle somewhere, off in some third world country, and they've never heard the gospel, they've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, what happens to them? And he come back just like that. He said, well, I, I believe God's going to work something out for them. I almost fell out of my chair. I'm even questioning my mind, and why, do, why am I doing what I'm doing? Because then somebody asked the next question, the reason I tell you this story. The next question that was asked was actually verse 6. It said, Billy, we, we've all had enough training to know what that verse breaks down like. It's a very emphatic statement that breaks down like this. Jesus said, I am the only way, the only truth, and the only life. What do you believe about that verse? And he said, I believe he's a way. And man, I, I was... I was taken back. As a matter of fact, it was fallout from that very meeting through the providence of God that I'm here in Kings Mountain today because I could not see supporting that. And the church cared more about their standing in the history books in Rutherford County than they cared about the gospel that I was talking about. And so the word was told to me it was an impasse. First time I'd ever heard that word. And, and I mean, we've come to, it seems like we've come to an impasse. I said, I don't know what, I don't know what an impasse is, but it seemed like we come to a time we need to pray, that's for sure. Jesus here tells the disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, if we take that and we take the beginning of that verse 6, he says that I am the only way. It's almost as if he's saying that he is the only path to God, and it's not just as if. He is saying, I am the only path to God. Let me read a few verses of Scripture to you. Ephesians 2, 17 and 18. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, and peace to those who were near, for through Him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways submit to Him, and He will direct your paths. And I'm bringing that out because I, even in the Old Testament, I believe that the Father is the one leading the path to Christ, or laying the path to Christ. John 6, says, And no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. And it bears to me the question is, why do I even need to come to God? I mean, that's a legitimate question. If, it, if it's so exclusive that there's no other way 
What is this all about? He says to an audience that has believed in God, his audience is not, uh, for, the, for the most part, his audience is not a group that has not believed in God, trusted in not just any God, we're talking about Jehovah God, the God that created the heavens, the earth, sea, the dry land, the one that created man from the dust of the earth, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the God that split the Red Sea, the God that sent a flaming chariot to come get the prophet Elijah. They believe in this God. They've heard about this God from their ancestors. You've got to understand, they're coming out of a period of silence where God has seemed to have not even spoken to them other than His Word. We know God speaks through His Word. They have the, 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 the text there, and they read about all these things that we, we just spoke about and other things. And so you've got all that knowledge, all that in there about this Jehovah God, about the coming Messiah. He clarifies for them. He said, if you believe in Him... Believe also in me. And the reason he can say that is because he is co-equal with God, which is what got him crucified. That's what kept him in trouble while he was here. And let me just encourage you, if you're a child of God today, it's what's going to have you in trouble today. Anybody can say that I'll, I will pray. And a lot of people will gladly pray to God. But it becomes so exclusive when we say that it's Jesus Christ that we are praying in the name of. In other words, we put ourselves now into a narrow group. As a matter of fact, the meeting at the hospital that got me into the meeting at the association, there was a gentleman of another denomination other than what I was in, looked across the table at me and said, I believe that there are people in here that are narrow-minded. I said this the other week, and I told them, I said, that's me. I'll go ahead and clear the room out. That's me. I'm here. It's right here, from here to there. That's, that's, my, that's right there. If you're going to go outside of there, you lost me. This is what saved me. This is what is saving me, and this is what's going to save me. So it's very narrow. And Jesus helps to define that. He said, I want to clear the air for you so that your hearts are not troubled. You got Peter in the verses just before this. Peter, he uh, has his famous moment where he tells Christ, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere you go, even to the death. And he's like, Peter, buddy, before the rooster crows. you got to understand, he's talking with them through the evening, long conversation through the evening, late into the night. He says, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And, and let me just give you some encouragement in this and try to pull this, this, this thought around. You see, the apostle Peter really was in a situation where it seems like he, just, he was not at the place, whether it be in his walk as far as maturity goes, or maybe just not in a place in his life at that moment to where he could handle within himself bearing the weight of what it meant to walk with Christ. And before we get too quick to throw some stones at him, it's hard 
And God knows it's hard to walk with Him at times. The peer pressure put on Peter at the moment. Are you with Him? I mean, they're fixing to crucify Him. Easy to talk that talk when we sit in our comfy seats, isn't it? It's easy to talk the talk when we're in our palaces and we're in all of our comfort and we feel secure. But now I think all of us kind of understand a little bit more about the rattling of the, the, the probably the, the security that we have had in life. And a lot of that's been taken away. Even when it comes to our mortality, we, we've, we've had situations where it's, I mean, it's not a problem. All we got to do is get them to the hospital and they'll be fine. And we know that's not been the case in every situation in our past, but now we go, we've got people going, please don't take me to the hospital. I'm not saying they're right or wrong, I'm just saying that's where they're at in life. Our life's been turned upside down. And when he says don't let your heart be troubled, he's not saying don't let yourself be so enamored with the, the situation that you, you just... Don't look at what's going on. What he's talking about there, the way that kind of word kind of plays out, is the fact that don't let the circumstance override your soul. The waters will get rough in life. Don't sit there fretting over the fact that the waters are rough. Don't let your soul be troubled by the circumstances in your life. It don't mean that you don't do something about water in the boat and bail. It doesn't mean that you don't investigate things about your loved one's life as far as health goes. It doesn't mean that you don't ask questions. It doesn't mean that you don't, you know, have concerns. It doesn't mean any of that. I mean, there's a, there's, there are people out there that propagate a gospel that if you have, if you even speak a word that seems to be concerned about a loved one, that your faith is wavering and you just don't trust God. And I, I got news for them people. They need to get a life. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, looked at his disciples, not casting them away from him, but said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Comfort yourself also in me. And he says, in my Father's house are many mansions. Now when he says that, I believe that we could take this statement and, and look at it for a moment. His is the only place prepared for you. Matthew 25, 41 says, Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. That does not mean that there are not people that are going to this place, that are being cast into this place, that are in torment in this place. What it means is that it is not a place that is prepared for you it is a place that is used and i'm just taking the bible for what it says jesus said that i have gone to prepare a place for you that in my father's house are many mansions now i want to clarify a few things because 
sometimes we get a little bit of bad doctrine, especially at funeral times and around sitting around with family and sitting around hospitals and hospice houses and even, unfortunately, at funeral homes during the funerals and even in churches during the funerals. One thing I want to clarify for you because I've heard that Jesus' mama is still here because Jesus ain't done with her mansion. As if he's up there with a Dewalt impact driver and a board frantically trying to get mama's mansion done so that mama can go ahead and let go of this earthly world and not be in torment no more. Come on, Lord, would you just hire a new contractor, God? We got to get this mansion done. <laughs> let me address a couple of things. For one, I'm not a theologian nor a grammarian, but this seems to be present tense. In my father's house are many mansions. Not, not will be, but are and if it are, are then, it are, are now. Amen? It is now if it was then. So the, the mansion, and let's deal with that word. I know some folks get upset because their Bible says mansion, and somebody says my Bible says dwelling place or rooms. Let me help you out just a little bit. Any of y'all in here, I know I'm, I'm a heathen when I say this, but have you ever watched Lottery Dream Homes? I, I, I have, I, I, I'm, I'm different when I watch stuff like that. You know, for one, I, I know I'll, I'll never have a lot, if it, let's put it this way, if I ever did win a million dollars in the lottery, I wouldn't tell y'all. <laughs> I can promise you that. <laughs> We'd have a secret house at the beach somewhere, we just wouldn't, it's like, turn your phones off before we get there. And it ain't going to be at no Myrtle Beach, I promise you that, because that'll get on Facebook too. But anyhow, I like watching because I like to see what they're going to do. Because some people win a million dollars and they only buy a $200,000 house. Some people win a million dollars and buy a $900,000 house. And everybody's got it in their mind to go, how are you going to pay the taxes on that dude in a couple years, you know? But I watch some and they win $10 million. And some of these houses, man, are mansions, Right? What we would consider to be mansions. First off, let me help you. I don't think it's healthy for us to try to equate something on this earth to describe something in heaven. You with me? There ain't a house on this earth. There's not a palace on this earth, nor a castle in England or Scotland, anywhere that could even come close to comparing to what God has prepared for His people. But whatever God does have for us has got to be good. It's got to be good. So he says, in my Father's house, and I believe that to be in the place that God gave copy blueprints of to Moses to re replicate as best he could on this earth what God had given him, and God let him use earthly materials to, to fashion a heavenly picture, the tabernacle, the temple. So as God gave him copies, he gave the instructions out, and they, they fashioned this tabernacle, but it's the purpose of the tabernacle that's most important. They come with their offerings to the Lord, repentance and sacrificial offerings, thanks offerings for grain and for all the provisions that God has 
has provided for them. They, they come with all these things, and they come not just to try to appease some God so that He doesn't rain fire from a volcano. No, they come in worship to a God that has given them the breath in their life and allowed them to live and given them these resources and is forgiving them of their wickedness in their lives, and they are worshiping Him. And in heaven, it's a little different, but the picture there is the same and will be the same, the idea. See, in heaven, the Bible says that there will be no more night. For the Lamb is the light. Christ, the way, the only way. to He is the light of heaven. And that place has the ability to reflect and refract light like no other. Streets of pure gold, walls of jasper, gates of pearl. I've heard people try to describe, because the Bible talks about there being rainbows there. Could it possibly be that it is the light that is emanating from the throne of Almighty God through Jesus Christ that is scattering through all these clear streets of gold and the gates of pearl and bouncing off the walls of jasper that the, the light is just surrounding everywhere in heaven? That's the place, the place where the four and twenty elders fall down on their face before Almighty God and they worship Him. And as Isaiah saw in Isaiah chapter 6, the seraphim fly, crying out one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And that's going on now. The martyrs under the throne of Almighty God, Lord, how long, how long will it be before you avenge yourselves? All that's going on. But it's going on in a place that is unencumbered by the things of this world. There, your loved ones that have passed away in Christ, they're not suffering no more. There's, there's no need for oxygen up there. I don't know how it works. I don't know if we have lungs. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know all that. I know one thing. There ain't no Harley Davidsons burning black marks on the streets of gold. When I heard that, I was like, I wanted to, I'm like, out, out of respect for the person, the funeral that was going on, I, I kept my mouth shut, but I wanted to stand up and go, you heretic. Where did you get that from? What verse is, I mean, I love fishing better than anybody else, but I don't know that I'm going to be pulling some 10-pound bass up out of the, the river of life. And you've got an opportunity to share with people the truth of the Word of God just for a few moments, and you're going to waste it talking about foolishness. No, I'm here to tell you today that I serve a God that not only has an exclusive way to the Father, I serve a risen Savior that rules and reigns. Nobody's going to come up to His throne kicking up dust. When you come to His throne, they'll bow before Him. He won't even have to lift a finger or a voice. Just at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. How do I know that? When he broke through time and space and eternity and spoke to my heart for my need for salvation, I couldn't do nothing but bow before him. 
Matthew 25, 41. Then he will say to those on the left, I read that one, Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to in accordance with the riches of God's grace, Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mankind by which you must be saved. He said, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And he says, If it were not so, I would have told you. Now when we think about verse 6, he says, I am the way. The truth. It's almost as if in verse 2 he says, when he says, if it were not so I would have told you, I hadn't lied to you yet. Everything I've told you, you've seen it be true. Don't question me now. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He is the only path to God. His is the only place prepared for us. And I want to, in transition, take that thought and move over to the fact that His is the only promise of life. So I want to talk to you about that place that's prepared for just a moment, and then we'll bring it around. So if the dwelling place, the room, and just to satisfy everybody online and in the room, yep, the mansion is already built. If it's there at the Father's house. In other words, there is a space there for us. Those are in Christ. Then what is Christ preparing? Well, you and I have no way to get to God on our own. We know that through Christ is where we come. That is, He is the way. And then the truth is that Christ, when He came, He came to die on the cross for our sins. We, most of us know this. And so when He dies for our sins, now in the Old Testament, when they would take a sacrificial lamb or a bull or whatever, they would slaughter it, they'd take the blood of that animal, animal and they would go into the holy place, the holy of holies, and they would sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat. And God, if He was pleased with that sacrifice, would come and visit. See, that's God coming down to the house that Moses made as a copy. We're talking about us going up to the actual house. So when Jesus died on the cross... His blood was spilt for our transgressions. He died. He paid the penalty for us. All of our sins, past, present, and future, laid upon Him that day. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. He took that, and then He takes His sacrificial death, His blood, he goes into, not the copy, but the actual. He, he takes atonement for our sin to the very altar before Almighty God. And there on our behalf, He gives the, 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 the payment that needs to be made for us there before God. 
And because of that payment, if you are in Christ Jesus, because of what's been paid, now you have gained access to Him. So what Christ went to do was to prepare us access to God because we could get it no other way. He says, so I go to prepare a place for you. You and I could not win any lottery that would afford us the ability to have a room in the Father's house. But I'm thankful we don't have to, amen? I'm thankful it's paid. It's taken care of. John 17, 3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, let me finish up with this thought. His is the only promise of life. He says, and I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I, I don't know what your eschatology is. I, I don't, it's okay. As a matter of fact, we, I don't think we should part ways over some of that stuff. I'm a rapture guy. I, I, I'm First Thessalonians chapter 4, I just, I mean, I can't help but get in my mind's eye that, and the trump will sound, the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will not precede them, but we will be caught up with the Lord in the air to join them. And I put that whole picture together, and I can't help but every time I stand by a graveside funeral, I go, you know, think, think about that. If we're here, if he comes right now, I don't know how quick all that'll happen. Because, I mean, like milliseconds are still, if it's, if it's three milliseconds ahead of this moment, it's still ahead of. So it could happen quick. But it says that we who are alive and remain will not precede those who sleep. And so when the trump sounds of dead, dead in Christ arise, I wonder if, we, if, if there's enough time for the sound to hit our ears to where we can hear the trumpet and see the graves open. I'm just going to tell you, I tell him, I'm just going to go ahead and reserve the right. If it happens, you better get ready because if there is any chance of me dancing, speaking in tongues, any of that stuff, it's fixing to happen. If there's any chance of any, anything crazy that Pastor Craig's going to do, that's going to guaranteed be the moment because I know what's coming next. I'm going to be, hey, hey, come on. <laughs> you know, let's, let's. Let's break loose. Don't you leave me here. <laughs> I, I, I've told the church before that I, I, um, when, I, when God, I got saved, I, I just dove right in church. Like a lot of folks, dove right in church. And they was having a men's breakfast. Sounds good to me. I like hanging around dudes. You know, I like the, the, the bro time. And I, I, I like breakfast. And this whole thing, this is where all the God's people meet, so let's do it. So I pulled up to the men's breakfast early that morning. It's just barely cracking daylight. And I, um, I pulled in there, and there's a couple cars there. I walked up to the door, the door's locked. There were some Bibles and some pots and some things laying all around there at the front on the sidewalk. And I, off in the distance, a rooster crowed. 
And I'm sitting there going in my mind. I don't know much about the Bible. And I'm sitting there trying to put this story together in my mind. There's something in the Bible about a rapture. Where they, I've, I've seen these left behind things, you know, the stuff's like cars are wrecking and everything's going on. I'm like, so there's stuff laying here and ain't no people. And I remember something about a rooster crowing. So he crowed once, and he crowed again. Now, I know the story is, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times, but I didn't know nothing about the Bible. He crowed a second time, and I was like, dude, don't you crow one more time. <laughs> then they pulled up. Somebody forgot their hot skillet plate thing at the house, and they had to run back. They all jumped in the same car and went back and got it. Man, I'm sitting there wiping sweat off on my knees going, dear God, please. I'm like, then they pull up and I what's wrong with you? I'm like, I'm just going to get praying early, I guess. <laughs> I'm just, oh. But man, listen. I don't think that this is just a speaking, I believe it is speaking of an event that is going to happen sometime in the future. But I believe John chapter 14, verse 1 through 3, was just as true the day Stephen was being stoned to death. In the book of Acts, Stephen's preaching the gospel. They start gnashing their teeth at him. Paul's standing in the, in the midst of them. They begin to stone him. He looks up. And there is Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of the throne of Almighty God. As almost as if to say, come on. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it would not so, many dwelling places. If it would not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where you may be also. I hate what's going on in our world today. And I won't politicize it. I just simply say, regardless of any side of any fence you're on, whether you're standing on the fence or wherever you're at, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong for people to not have their loved ones around them. It's wrong. It's wrong for somebody to die while the people that they love can't get to them. It's wrong for them to hurt. I can take you in the Bible and prove to you that there's something about the touch, something about... He even commanded us to lay our hands on them and to pray for them. There's something wrong when the preacher can't even get in there. There's something wrong. But I'll promise you one thing. They won't nobody stop him. They won't no security guard. They won't no pandemic. They won't nothing stop him from being in the room with them. And if they do leave out of here, they want nothing to stop anybody. If they are in Christ Jesus, they want nothing to stop him from ushering them into the heavenly home to be with our Lord. Nothing. And even, no matter who it is, every soul that's ever died in Jesus Christ, our God is not shorthanded and he's not slack. He's not forgetful. 
I try to, as a matter of fact, one of our precious folks was trying to tell me something about a date next year just a moment ago. And it's funny, it's kind of a joke around here. Her daughter said, Mama, he don't even know what's going on this month. And it's about the truth. And I miss some things. We've got a system. If it gets on the calendar, our secretary puts it on the Google calendar, and the Google calendar put, is on my phone, and there's alerts there. When we started setting it up, she said, I'm just going to put you a 30-minute. No, 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 put a 30-minute, put a one-hour, put a two-hour, and put a one-day. I do, because I'm like up here in the stratosphere somewhere. The first one gets me down below the clouds. The next one gets me, gets me to approaching the runway. And then uh, we just kind of work our way down. But let me promise you something. He ain't going to forget you. He's not going to forget you, and he ain't forgotten nobody. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ said, all that the Father has given me, I've lost none of them. He's not going to lose any. So I just want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you that our God, if you're in Christ Jesus, let not your heart be troubled. He is the only way, the only truth, and He is the only life. I can't wait for that day. I don't know about you. I'm telling you right now. I've had to try to learn, and not, not just me, plenty of other ministry people and pastors have tried, are working on trying to do the same thing, trying to figure out how, what do you do with all of this weight? You say, cast it on the Lord, preacher. Yeah, I got you. I'm, I might be slow. It's taking me a little while. I know where to cast it on the Lord, but then we also have responsibilities and stuff, and figuring out how all that works out, it's not easy. And then you got all of the stuff. And let me just say this. If you are a child of God, I want to proclaim something before you this morning. Do not, I repeat, do not preach politics as if it's gospel. Don't do it. Don't preach your political views as if it's gospel. You can preach the gospel, but what you believe about a lot of stuff that don't none of us even know nothing about, it's okay to have, it, there, there's a place for those conversations, but please, please, please don't declare truth unless it is truth. Because the enemy is trying to destroy us. I believe there's a lot of demonic things going on right now, and I believe that he is trying to divide us. No longer is it about white and black and all that stuff. Oh, we passed all that now. This is about him trying to divide everybody. I've got friends in ministry that send me stuff, and I go, what? What's, why, why are you sending me that? Well, I believe this is happening. I believe this is what the truth is. Man, are you kidding me? You're, you're, you're just doing nothing but... You're, you're driving my mind crazy with this stuff. And I know y'all feel the same way. This channel says this, that channel says that, and this person says this, this person says that. I've read this, and I've read that, and all that, all that stuff... 
That's all cool, but please, 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 as Christians, remember, that is not our gospel. That's not our gospel. Our gospel is a gospel of hope in Jesus Christ. Let's share it for His glory. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us. And so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.